Welcome back to another episode of the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. I've got two guests joining me on the line. We're going to bring one of them on before we mention our episode sponsor. So joining me, I have Gary Shaw. Gary, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Evan. Gary is a member of the Strength and Speed Development Team, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about his background and some of this crazy stuff he's been up to, which has been pretty insane during this quarantine period. So a little bit of background about Gary, started running and doing OCR in 2016, ran in high school, but took a long break during the Navy and after, uh, previously ran a half marathon a day for a month back in July, 2018. I remember following that on social media, which was pretty insane. And then, so 2020 race results, there hasn't been that many due to the coronavirus outbreak, but it finished uh, fourth in the post Oak challenge. 2019 uh, race highlights, Swamp Stomper 50K, third place male. Post Oak Heavy Marathon, 50K, Heavy Marathon Challenge, second place male. Shamrock's Beer, Beer Mile, second place overall. I'm sure many people will be impressed by that. Uh, Georgia <laughs> Death Race Beer Mile, first overall. We've got an ultra runner slash beer, beer mile uh, specialist on the show. Uh, knock on Wood 100 Miler, first place male. 24-hour Enduro World Championship out in Australia. 12th Elite Male. Pumpkin Holler 100, uh, eighth overall. Uh, Fast and Furious. Canacross 5K, first overall. And then other than that, for OCR stuff, he's done Warrior Dash St. Louis, where he finished third overall in 2018. Uh, done World's Toughest Mudder twice, 2017, 2018, and got 60 miles. So, Gary, welcome. Thanks. All right, now let's jump into today's sponsors before we bring on our other guest. This episode is brought to you by Squirrel's Nut Butter. So, Squirrel's Nut Butter is an anti-chafing product. You smear anywhere there could be chafing, which is usually the groin area. Um, but they also have trail toes type spread where you can actually put it on your toes to prevent chafing down by your feet. So I'm a big fan of it. I like the stick. It's like a deodorant type stick. You just kind of apply it directly on. There's also comes in a little tub. Uh, the tub I works good and it's better if you're going to be sharing it because you don't want to share where that stick has been on me. So um, <laughs> Gary, what's your thoughts on a uh, squirrel's nut butter? Uh, I used it every day for the, uh, challenge uh for the run the date challenge that i think uh you're gonna have us go into later yep i use it every day and i had uh no problems um and yeah. i am very susceptible to chafing in the past especially at worlds uh anytime i'm in a wetsuit um my undercarriage burns off yes yes that's accurate B has definitely helped with that so the, I found the magic is Marina Sport shorts or pants with like the pouch for your junk there and a healthy dose of Squirrel's Nut Butter. And that's been my magic solution the last two years. And I've had zero chafing at World Stuff with Mutter. So any specific favorite product you have for them? Have you used their like, um, they have like an Icy Hot type product. Have you tried that? I haven't tried their uh, like the, that Icy Hot type uh, salve, uh, but I'm 
I, I prefer the deodorant stick. Yeah. And, uh, but I use the other as well. Just whenever I use the tub, I always put on a rubber glove to actually apply it. Just makes it easier. Interesting. All right. I initially got the tub in the winter and I did not like it because it felt like it was like, it felt too hard to apply. Like I felt like I was like really trying to force my fingers into it to get it to come out. But yeah, you um, have to work in like, like pomade during the winter on the uh, tub instead of the stick I found out. Uh, okay. But it works great. The tub, once it's got to summer, the tub works fine. Um, absolutely fine. But again, I still prefer the stick. And I have tried the Icy Hot type product. I can't remember what it's called. I think it works great. It's got a nice smell to it. It has a nice some capsaicin in there and give it a nice tingling feeling. All right, let's bring on our other guest. So also joining us, we have Nicole Fleming. Nicole, say hi. Hey, how are you? So a little bit about Nicole. She's the owner and operator of Healthy Bodies, primarily massage therapy, but she's also a certified health and personal coach, a mom of a 22-year-old daughter, a dog mom, and may have been raised by wolves. <laughs> As you can see, I'm reading her bio, and I did not proofread it ahead of time. So that's good. Um, <laughs> she's been active her whole life and didn't really get back into training for any specific events until uh, early 30s. She's now 46. Um, pretty impressive list of accomplishments here. Second female at Tougher Mudder 2019 in Wright City, Missouri. Seventh overall female and first master's female at World's Toughest Mudder 2018 in Atlanta, Georgia. First female at Hawk 100 2018 in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, Runner-up Mudder and Guides, best female master's athlete 2018. Uh, Mudder and Guides, badass women of OCR featured athlete. That's one of those articles that Charity Fick writes for Mudder and Guide back in February 2019. And first female master's in Abominable Snow Race. 2019 in Wisconsin, first female at Shamrock's Beer Mile in Springfield, Missouri, sixth overall female, including the pros, uh, first master's female at OCR World Championships 24-hour Enduro 2019 in Sydney, Australia, and a couple more other awesome challenges. And she also did, as we've already hinted at, the Run the Date Challenge, which uh, Gary and Nicole did this month, where Whatever the date was, that's how many miles they ran for the day. So on the first, they ran one mile, two second, two miles, all the way up to 30. So, and if you, if you can't do math real quick, that is, I think it comes out to about 465 miles. And yes, it does. <laughs> I think I believe it's 165 in the last week. Is that right? That sounds right. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, it's, it, it's like an exponential curve there. It gets, it gets pretty insane towards the end. <laughs> That's when the squirrel's nut butter came in extra handy. I like the tub, actually, because I use it a lot with my bra with chafing. Okay. And the tub is super handy with that. And I usually don't chafe, but just running all those days in a row, and it was a wet month in April, um, just it made a big difference. I don't usually, like, chafe on feet, but I just I used it on my feet and everything, too. And it, it, it saved me, for sure. Awesome. Yeah. So that's good. Inter different perspective. Someone likes the tub mm -hmm. rather than the stick. but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so it was let, 189 miles the last week. 189. I was going to say, I thought it was more. <laughs> Gary's the number person, though. I think, I think what happened was I, I, I think the, when it was like five days left or something, I did the math, and that's why <laughs> that number stuck in my head. But, which is actually not right either, but that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into the uh, – we're going to be talking about their Run the Date Challenge. We're going to be talking about – 
Beer Mile. We're going to talk about ultra sports during this episode. So let's start off with the most recent thing, right? The Run the Date Challenge. Gary, where did this idea come from? And then after that, Nicole, answer, how did you get talked into this? Or was it, <laughs> or was it the other way around? Okay, so this idea actually, I'm not really sure where it just came from. It just kind of came out of nowhere. Originally, I was going to try and do a body fat reduction challenge for myself. About once or twice a year, I just pick something. I do these, what I call, do dumb shit challenges. (laughs) And I try and do it once or twice a year. And it's just something kind of extreme. Like my buddies at work, I mean, you know, I tell them I ran a half marathon last week. They think that's crazy. But whenever I do one of these challenges, I look for something that other athletes would actually say that's stupid too. So I was originally going to uh, try and cut down to a under, uh, to a single digit body fat prior to my birthday, uh, starting after my 200 miler that got canceled. And whenever the 200 miler got canceled and, uh, things started kind of to change because of the coronavirus, I just got to thinking about what I was going to do. I really didn't have a anything to train for specifically and plus for the body fat percentage challenge I was looking at doing all the gyms are closed there was really you know not as much I could do so I tried to think of something uh, just to kind of pass that time and give my running career a little bit of a challenge so this just kind of popped up in my head it kind of stemmed from originally almost thinking, well, I could do something like uh, the half marathon a day again, but then I thought I'd already done it. So I just kind of mentioned it to Nicole, thinking that maybe we might do it later in the year. She kind of thought, well, why not just do it now since nothing's going on? So it was very, very coronavirus inspired. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of that coronavirus insane challenge stuff kind of going on. And I feel like the ultra running community along with the strongman community are the two ones as far as sports that I have like a touch point in have been thriving during this and really been thinking outside the box. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. So how did Nicole, how did you end up getting roped into this? So uh, being a massage therapist, my business was deemed non-essential. So I didn't work for end of March and all of April. And so when Gary was talking about doing this and again, you know, thinking of doing it in the fall, I'm like, well, we're always racing or volunteering. I can't think of a time that would work well and knew that now would be the time. And I was like, if you want to do it in April, I can join you. And, uh, for some reason, I'm not just super interested in the virtual races. I know it's getting a lot of people going, but it doesn't really do it for me. And, uh, and I do know how to say no. Everyone's like, how'd you let Gary talk you into this? I'm like, um, he's done plenty of dumb shit before that I've said no to. Okay. So, uh, so this one, I don't normally do well with a lot of miles and no rest. And, um, I tried to do that early in my thirties. It didn't work so well. And, Having run several ultras since then, I was like, huh, I wonder how I'll do now. And so I was kind of curious 
experiment wise how I would feel going into this. So I was curious for myself and just also had the time this month and Gary and I usually have a good time doing these things together and for some reason don't kill each other. So <laughs> had a good time with it. Nice. And I say talk you into this, but you, I mean, as we listed in your bio, you are an accomplished ultra runner and serious competitor. And I mean, in fact, like you're a better athlete compared to the other females than Gary is compared to the other males, right? Like that's, I'm just going to throw it out there. It's just fact, right? I don't know if it's in my old age category and I'm still going or what, but I don't know. So, but yeah, I mean, yeah, very impressive. So you get, you know, obviously the first couple of weeks, first two weeks are, you know, not too bad. And then it, it starts increasing exponentially. Um, Gary, like take me through some of your strategy going into this and then kind of how it played out. Uh, so I really wanted to, it was very easy to kind of think, Oh, this isn't that big of a deal. And really, I was really worried about burning myself out on the front end because it's really easy to think I just have to do a mile or two miles today. So to really run them fast and then even do some, I did no cross training at all for that month. Uh, so I really wanted to prep myself from the very beginning, from that first day running one mile, I wanted to really prep myself for that last day of 30 by trying to just slowly ease into it and not get discouraged. It's really easy. Um, a lot of people, especially that run competitively, like doing that transition from low mileage, like going from a 5k to a hundred in those training blocks, a lot of people get self-conscious. They don't want people to see them walking or doing intervals during their training. If they're running on the road and people are driving by, they don't want people to see them walk because they think people are looking kind of down on them. Like, Oh, he couldn't keep going. So it's easy for me because I've done them long enough to just get over my ego and put that stuff in the trash. So it was really just important to me to ease into it and try and maximize any time I had to rest because I was working, I had to work uh, the entire time. So on top of these, all these runs, I was doing my eight hour day at work. I would go in, I'd wake up at four, be in at five, leave at one and then go run however many miles. So after that, I needed to plan time to eat and to really recover as best as possible, which included a lot of uh, um, like salt water soaks for my feet or Epsom salt and essential oil soaks for my feet and a lot of time with the Hypervolt, just trying to treat any problem areas. Gotcha. And then how long did you kind of allocate per day per, I guess per mile per run or whatever? So I actually, my plan was uh, like, Someone had asked me this the other day for a challenge that they were kind of doing for their self. And time management was very important with this. So what I did was I figured every day's run as taking me like having an average pace of 15 minutes per mile. So I had. And that includes um, pit and everything. Yes. 
yeah, that included our pit time and everything. So a running clock. So for the last day of the month, I had, what was that? Seven and a half hours allotted for 30 miles. Yeah. So that's, I find that very smart. One, like your, your comments about being concerned about the last day on the first day, because right. I think everyone's gut reaction is like, Oh, I'm only running a mile today. Let me just knock it out, run an eight minute mile. We're done or whatever, you know, it's over. But you know, being concerned about the last day, the first day was very smart. And then giving yourself a nice chunk of time also seems very smart to me. Right. Cause then you block it out on your schedule. And then if it only takes you, you know, if you're, if, if, if you're running faster than that, you're, you're fine. Right. Cause you mentally you're prepared to, spend more time on the road than you're actually uh, spending. So I think that's a really good move. Now, Nicole, what was your, you know, as the situation developed, what was your, some of your, what were some of the surprises you may have encountered? So with me not working, I kind of had the opposite strategy. I know we're only running one, two, three miles. So Um, I did a ton of manual labor and projects that I haven't been able to do in years because I had time to do it. So on uh, the first couple weeks, um, I was outside a lot, just mowing and raking and picking up sticks and clearing brush. And um, I knew I'd probably, you know, not the smartest thing, but I mean, I would, I would get like eight, nine hours sleep a night thinking it would be enough. And um I was the lucky one, like towards the end, I was still getting a fair amount of sleep where Gary, you know, we may not get into bed till like nine thirty, ten o'clock at night. And he has to get up at four, you know, whereas I was able to like sleep until like seven or eight. Um, so I front loaded. Um, but I just, you know, just even though this is going on, my life is still going on. So I still needed to get that stuff done. And I don't know it's, if it's because of that, but already by like the end of the second week, I was kind of having stomach issues with like um, just nauseousness and um, trying to, you know, I had to like be careful of what I ate. I usually eat a lot of like salads and vegetables and and making dinner and stuff like that. I had to be conscious of just not having too much of that stuff, um, just with constantly running, running, running. Um, so that kind of took me by surprise that that was a challenge, but it kind of reminded me of like running a hundred miler about mile 80, you know, your stomach starts to go south. That's what it reminded me of, of just getting later into the month. Um, Gary has an iron stomach, so he was able just to like eat through everything and for the most part be okay. And I just had a really hard time with getting enough calories in to, to keep me going and wanting food. I like, I just got so tired of forcing myself to eat and which is kind of what you have to do in some of the long races, you know, but I was surprised that that was an issue with this challenge, even on the days that were running like 15, 18, 20, it was, it was still an issue. Um, so that was kind of surprising to me. Uh, physically, I felt like I held up all the way through the month until the last week we, we both did a really good job with like stretching and trying to take care and stuff like that in the evening, knowing that of all months, you know, we can't get a lot of body work just because of things going on. So that kind of surprised me that I usually don't do well without rest and stretching and massage and stuff like that. And it really didn't bother me to the last week. And um, I did do something fun with my shins. I'm not sure what, but was able to push through, push through to the end. Um, but I think stomach stuff kind of took me the most by surprise. 
um, and trying to take care of that just even by the end of week two. Gotcha. Now, some of you listening to this may have heard of other people doing something around the same time. So right at the end of March, uh, Steve Hammond, he's, I think he's a trail uh, director, race director for Spartan Trail, or he, he works some on Spartan, um, issued a challenge that was basically the same thing, run the date for the month of April. And I actually thought that's where, Gary, where you got the idea. So me and uh, Jared Renier, a personal trainer from J Run Fitness, we're talking about it in like a private message and we're like, we're like, I, this is a really bad idea. Like people, like most people should not do this. This is a, like someone's going to, someone who normally runs, you know, like 20 miles a week is going to try this and just blow themselves up and uh, come out injured. And then probably like 24 hours later, Gary in our private strength and speed group, you're like, here's what I'm going to do in April. And I was like, all right. And honestly, the only person in the group who I would say, you know, that's, that's a reasonable challenge for you to based off your experience is you because you've done stuff like this in the past where you've done uh, the 13 mile a day every day for a month, which comes out to, I think it's like 400 miles, right? Something like that. Like four, 406. Yeah. So you've done a similar experience in the past. So going from 406 miles in a month to, what was it? 465 we determined or yep. something. Um, yeah. That's not a huge jump and you've, you know, it's been two years since you've done that. So you, your body has had some time to adapt and it's not like you haven't been training and you've been, you've been putting in some good miles. So yeah, it was a bold move. If any, if some of the other people in our strength and speed group were like, I'm going to do it too. I would have been like, yeah, you probably should not. That's a bad idea. Right, isn't it crazy? And then like after the challenge, he whips out another 42 miles. And <laughs> I, lived, I lived through five miles of that and walked the rest of the loop. And I was like, I'm crewing. <laughs> so he, he's the machine when it just comes to like regular mileage. And it's so interesting how, I mean, different people respond differently to training, you know, and it's so interesting that you don't really know if that's you until you go out and do it. But Gary is definitely one of those people. He can just like consistently put in the miles and, and uh, I think he can do it for like month at a time. I and mean, if you do it for like months and months and months, you know, of course it'll catch up with you, but uh, he does pretty good with stuff like that. Yeah, it was impressive. And for those of you who missed that comment, because it came out fast, on the 31st day, so the first day of uh, May, Gary did a 40 mile, was it 40 or 40, 42? 42. 42. Our friend turned 42 on her birthday and she had a running challenge. So. 42 mile run. So that puts your 31 day total at 508. 507. 507. Again, insane. That is yes. very impressive. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Once races resume and you switch back to normal sports or normal ultra running and obstacle course racing, what are some lessons that you can take away from this challenge that you're going to apply to future endurance runs and endurance challenges? Uh, I definitely learned some uh, pit strategy, some uh, fueling and pit strategy. Uh, like Nicole said, I kind of have an iron stomach, but uh, it's, I found it's even with, you know, having a good stomach and not getting upset with too much stuff, it is kind of important to uh, change your nutrition up a little bit, especially over the long run, because I used to be a huge, huge advocate. Everybody will tell you that if they saw me at an ultra, I had an oatmeal cream pie in my hand. And I 
the sight of one of those just <laughs> makes me more violent now. It's like I associate oatmeal cream pies with pain and anguish and like they make me want to throw up. And I was actually, I talked to a, a buddy of ours, a race director, Jeremy Harrison was talking to him about that actually at uh, the outlaw 135 while Nicole was running. And he was talking about how after a while your body, like you get used to doing something, you do it so much and your body starts to associate it with something. So every now and then you will have to kind of change up your nutrition. Otherwise, like he was saying, yeah, you go to eat that oatmeal cream pie and your body just kind of rejects it because it knows what comes after. So yeah, it's like, it it's like Pavlov's dog, right? You're conditioning your body. <laughs> yeah. You hear the bell and you start salivating or you eat the cream pie and your body's like, no, we're not doing this again. This is bad. Yep, exactly. But, uh, so some new, I learned some nutrition things, uh, some found some different foods that I like, uh, found some kind of different pit strategies. So one of the things that we did on uh, some of our runs were we did a lot of out and backs, like five out and five back. So what we would do is we would have our packs with us and we would pack for, you know, so a 10 miles figure uh, at that 15 mile pace that I was allotting at least two and a half hours and then kind of just in case the wheels fall off and you really have to walk or something happens figure about three hours so pack food with you but whenever you get back to the car we would actually pit like just like it worlds um you kind of have we're operating out of the trunk of a car we would have stuff uh ginger ale like we would have a cooler and then we would have ziploc bags full of stuff um so really kind of learned um, how to speed up that process and kind of uh, just problem solve or troubleshoot and figure out like what your priorities are like what do I have on me how long will that last what do I really want like what's more important uh, like oh and I also discovered that I can stomach chocolate milk during a run i've always i know a lot of people that do milk during a run nicole's done that at all of her hundreds um and as good as my stomach is dairy has always kind of scared me to run with i've always thought oh man i just think of milk being in your stomach and running an ultra you're just going to turn that to cottage cheese and get sick and it's actually it works great nice Anything to add, Nicole, as far as kind of lessons learned you're going to take forward? Um, yeah, it was just kind of a reminder for me that I do better undertrained than overtrained. Um, as the miles, the miles just pounded on, um, I got slower and weaker, you know, and I just, I had no spring in my step. Um, I do better with cross training and not a ton of miles. And then I can go to an event like outlaw 135 and run through two nights and feel strong the whole time, you know, like I might have stomach issues and, um, but it was just a, a reiteration to me that I don't do well with a ton of miles and no rest. Um, 
And it was also kind of surprising to me, even though we were allotting 15 minutes per mile, like when we were on the road or on Frisco, which is a flat trail, I mean, we were still with Pitt staying under like 11, 12 minute miles, even stopping like five minutes at the car or every five miles or hour, um, even on hilly roads and stuff like that, we would stop and walk and eat for like maybe a quarter mile and go again. So I was kind of surprised we were able to keep that pace. Um, just even with eating and all the miles and when we get on the trail, you know, we keep it probably under 13, even with pits. And I was surprised as much as I like slowed down and felt just like a human sloth that, uh, until like the last couple days were able to keep up with that pace, even with all the stopping and stuff. So that kind of surprised me. Um, but for the most part, it was just reminding me that, uh, all those miles did was not great training for me. <laughs> so, so you said you don't like a lot of volume during your training, but you, I mean, you obviously you still do well at these ultras, these hundred miles and stuff like hundred mile races. What's, uh-huh. what's your normal training volume or like, you know, you're prepping for a race. What's a <laughs> weekly training volume? Look like? You know, I couldn't even tell you isn't, I mean, Gary makes fun of me and laughs at me because I, I don't even have a training plan. And I think I've had training plans in the past, and, you know, I'll put in long runs on the weekends, um, like 15 to 30 miles, maybe one or both days. But during the week, like maybe I'll run two, three times, five, seven miles. Um, I walk the dogs a lot. I mean, even during this challenge, I was walking the dogs a couple miles every morning. So, you know, throw those miles on top of everything else. Um, but I will do like a plyometric uh class fitness class for an hour because I can't make myself go speed training so a bunch of like plyo lunges and squat jump squats and things like that and then I'll do a strength training class a week with weights um and then I'll do like a yoga class during the week and and I mean whatever that adds up to mileage wise what kind of keeps me on top of training is I'll do a couple races each month and that kind of pushes me you know so I'm not just like with outlaw 135 you know I'm not building up three months and that's like my A race. You know, I'll still have a couple races here and there. And um, sometimes I'll pace someone, a friend during a race just to have time on feet, do a 50K or 50 miler with them. And, um, and that just keeps me accountable. And, um, but I, I, I'm not one that kind of has like, I'm doing this many miles a day and, and this is how many I'm going to do in the week and I'm going to build up and I'm, I kind of know when to taper and hold back. And I kind of know when like, okay, my body needs to be pushed right now or I need rest. I'm, I really just, I go on feel a lot. And so far it's worked except for this last month. <laughs> gotcha. Now you did say something I love in there. That was the back-to-back long run days. So, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of that. I think in my book, uh, Ultra OCR Bible, that's what I recommend, you know, basically Saturday, Sunday, do two long runs oh, definitely. and I definitely. think you, you know, teaches your body to run fatigued. You get a lot of adaptation and then it doesn't, you know, like you're doing, you do those two long runs on the weekend and your body, then during the week, your body has time to adapt from that stress. And you're, you're basically, basically what you're doing is putting in maintenance miles in the week. To, yes. Yeah. So your body remembers yeah. how to run. But I mean, the, the big changes are happening in those 
on that weekend. So I Absolutely. think that's and that way you can stay on top of the speed and the quickness during the week and on the weekend. Like it's funny between the long miles on Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, like you're a superstar on Sunday, you're like, what the heck is happening? Why is yeah. this so hard? It was so easy yesterday. So it is nice to know what it feels like to run on tire miles and on tired legs and keep going. You have to yeah. find a way mentally and physically to keep going. And that is good training for, for longer distances, for sure. I think that's better for, at least for me, right? Like, you know, I think some people will, will see people's runs online where it's like, I ran 35 miles today, but then like, you, they don't post the rest of their runs, the rest of the, like the next two weeks because they're not running, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like they just blow it out one day and then they're like, yes. and, and I'm done, right? Like, I think yes. it's better to do smaller manageable chunks where you can keep motivated and you can stay. You and know, you're less prone to get hurt, I think. I agree with that also. So, although I do think you should follow a plan. So I don't, I don't recommend that, but you, <laughs> well, you all, know what? I think I've followed plans for so long, even though I'm not officially following a plan, like that, in my head, I kind of yeah. know what's going on. You That's know? true. Okay. So I, I agree. Cause I'm, I am probably the same way, right? Like I, I don't have my plan written out on a piece of paper, but it's like in my head and I'm, I'm tweaking it and going off feel yes. as, yes. as I'm training. Yeah. Okay. All right. Much better. All right. All right. Now we mentioned Gary having an iron stomach also noticed in his race results and Nicole, you as well, seems to be doing pretty well in the beer mile. So first off, explain for those of listeners who don't know what a beer mile is, explain what a beer mile is. All right. So a beer mile consists of like, sometimes it'll be like on a public street, like people they'll like race directors or whoever's got it going on. will uh, kind of cordon off an area and sometimes if they can get you know cooperation from a local uh, track or whatever they'll be done on a track preferably but you you know they sound the gun you chug a beer run a quarter mile 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 and for what they consider like a regulation beer mile, the beer has to be either canned or bottled, unopened, and has to be 5% alcohol by volume or greater. Um, and if you vomit, um, that's actually, that's permitted, but you have to do a penalty lap. And if you vomit again, like say you vomit multiple times, it doesn't matter. Um, you just have to do the one penalty lap at the end. Gotcha. So you end up doing a mile and a quarter instead of a mile for your time. And while, while you're drinking, is there like kind of like the relay where there's like a zone you can drink in? Can you like walk a couple steps or do you have to stay yeah, perfectly they, still? They actually have, it's usually, I can't remember what regulation size is, but I want to say it's about a 10 foot, uh, what they call transition area where you can, where you're actually allowed to drink your beer all right. So you can kind of, and most people do, it's kind of hard to go from running because a beer mile is, it's, it's a full throttle race, uh, generally. So coming kind of to that complete stop and then trying to choke down uh, beer, like it's almost, you have to walk almost, or at least I do. You're kind of pacing through that transition area as you're trying to drink. So what's your beer mile PR and then what's your regular running mile PR with no beer? Uh, 
oh, I can't remember. My PR, I want to say it's – I can't remember off the top of my head. I want to say it's around nine minutes. It could be under, could be a little bit over. I really can't remember. But it was at the uh, um, Georgia death race there. I remember that, and I was drinking uh, Natty Ice was what I used for that. But my actual mile PR is, I think, 550, something like that. Okay, so yeah, that's a substantial time addition with with the addition. I want to say, baby, your Shamrock Smile has got to be faster than that because mine was eight-something. And you were way faster than me. So I bet your Shamrocks one was better time than nine minutes. So uh, Shamrocks, though, what she's talking about is we've both oh, done that. Yes, yes, yes. I know what you're going to say. Regulation beer mile. Uh, it's a one mile distance. It has the uh, transition area and everything like that, except it's, they don't, they're not full beers. So they're not the full 12 ounces that you're supposed to have, and they're pre-opened. They're actual pours. Mm. Uh, they're in cups. That they're so it's not as carbonated, which is a humongous difference. Right, yeah. So, you know, that, that's yeah. a huge thing. That and, you know, like I said, depending on which cup you grab, it's, it can be, you know, hardly anything at all. And it's also, it's usually, I think it's, Coors Light, I think, is what they use, and nothing against Coors Light, but for a regulation beer mile, it has to be 5% ABV or higher, and uh, Coors Light, like Bud Light, Natty Light, all of those are going to be about 4.2, maybe 4.4%, so your times are going to be a lot faster at an event like that than at the regulation beer mile, but yeah, she's right. Uh, I can't remember my Shamrock's time either, but yeah, it really adds time drinking those four beers. <laughs> so what's your what's your secret to success here? Any, any tips for anyone else going out and tackling the beer mile? Either one of you? I would say uh, practice makes perfect. <laughs> that is exactly what I was going to say. Because it's funny that, I mean, what a horrible thing to say about a beer mile. But it's true. Like, we used to be... Uh, you know, before this past month, we'd have a beer run that we do once or twice a month. And it's about a little over four miles. And we may stop at a spot every mile, mile and a half and drink a beer. And when I first joined and then would drink a beer and run, I'm like, holy goodness, this thing is sloshing around in my stomach. But then by the third or fourth beer run, like you just got into the groove of it. Like it wasn't that big a deal anymore. And you have to learn how to burp it. You know, like if a burp gets stuck, you're screwed. And so it just, practice makes perfect you just kind of get used to it you know it's like it doesn't slosh around in your stomach so much anymore and you um you just learn how to like run and burp and I'm not a humongous chugger so I try and just make up for it speed wise but I love beer so I can drink like four pretty quickly but just that sloshing around in the beginning is that took some getting used to gotcha all about being able to burp (laughs) yeah I have not. I have not done a beer mile. I did have a beer during. Uh, I did the. What was it the Dopey's Challenge at um, Disney World? We do a half marathon one day, and then you do a f- full marathon the next day. And I did drink beer at like they had like a beer station at mile twenty. And I remember going from like, oh, this tastes great, and I feel great, 
to like now I feel terrible all within like 10 minutes. Like, no I feel like I feel like my body processed it hyper quickly. And I was like, ah. I was like, I had like a beer high for like a couple minutes. And then I was like, I don't really feel so good anymore. But, you know what? Like I, I'll definitely drink a beer or three like during my ultras. Cause I get so tired of just like the sweet fuel and, um, and just to get something different in me calorie wise. Um, at Georgia death race, when it was super hot, I remember like three aid stations in a row. I had, people were giving me like their secret stash of their local beers. And I just, I had been nauseous and it was, it tasted so good. It got rid of my nauseousness, but because I had so many in a row, it made me kind of sleepy. But if I normally just have like one during a race, um, like mile 30, mile 50, whatever, like, I think cause my metabolism is going so much, like I don't even hardly feel the buzz at all. It just feels so good to like have something different that tastes mm. like kind of bitter and it's cold and it's a little bubbly and it usually calms my stomach down. So I, I like them actually during super long runs. Interesting. During well, I, 100, I'll usually do one every 25 miles. Like she was saying, it's kind of like, I call it liquid bread. It's just quick, easy to digest <laughs> carbs for kind of a short burst of energy to get me out of a slump. Interesting. I don't drink anymore. So if I think I had one now during a race, I'd probably, I would be a complete mess, right? Like we went, uh, I did toughest mother UK. It was like two years ago. And we went to the Guinness brewery, um, in Ireland, like a couple days later. And I drank like, I drank like one Guinness and I was like, I was like tipsy. It was so embarrassing. My wife was like laughing at me. That's okay. I hear it hits different over there at the, uh, at the brewery itself. Sure. Yeah. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. So, yeah, that's interesting. I'd not say I'd recommend beer for mid race, but I mean, um, I recommend yeah, it. If you, if you get you through, I mean, your, your, your ultra results speak for themselves. So, I guess who am I to argue? Before I want to talk a little bit more about some of your obstacle course racing background and plans quickly. Before, though, I mean, obviously, we've talked about all these crazy endurance stuff you guys have done in the past uh gary just give me a quick background like on some of your running and training background over the last couple of years and kind of how it led to where you are today and then we'll go with nicole uh so this stemmed out of or this got out of hand very quickly like whenever i kind of started running um i wanted to do a warrior dash you know, it was just, and I'm, I will always miss Warrior Dash of everything I've done uh, with the ultras and even traveling overseas and doing races and stuff. Warrior Dash is probably my favorite old OCR. Um, it's what got me started. It's what kind of got me off the couch. So my first race was actually a, uh, just a, what do they call a color run, a local color run to uh, kind of see if I could even, before I did a 5k with obstacles, I wanted to see if I could just do a 5k period. And then after like two weeks after that color run, I did that warrior dash and just kind of fell in love with it and started training for other races so from the time I actually, uh, it didn't take me long to get into ultras though. Um, once I found them, I kind of 
I still like to do uh, 5K every now and then, but I don't do them nearly as much as I used to. Uh, but I started running in February of 2016, and December of 2016, I did my first ultra. And oh, wow. I mainly focused on ultras since then, um, whether it be OCR or just, you know, traditional running. Um, but training wise, I try and like, I tell people that I try to stay marathon ready all the time. Like I always say, like, if I have a buddy that says, Hey man, uh, do you like, would you be interested in doing this marathon? I had already signed up for it, but I ended up winning a drawing. So I have this free race entry if you want it I always want to like at the drop of a dime I want to be able to go do a marathon and if you can do a marathon I tell everybody that if you can if you can do a marathon you can do a 50k um yeah it just that that last five miles you just kind of if you've got enough guts in you to do the 26 you can eat out another five generally so for someone let's say someone just got into running and is interested in going a similar route, like they're interested in the ultra route, you know, what advice would you give to them? Uh, definitely do start slow. I know that was one of the things uh, that got brought up whenever I was even talking about uh, doing the, the run the date challenge was people were saying, oh, that's upping your weekly mileage exponentially, which isn't recommended. Definitely do start slow. I'm going into it. And like I said, don't get discouraged by walking, especially if you're going to do ultras like there is walking in ultras. Um, I do it. Everybody does it to an extent. Even the guys that are going out busting like, you know, 18 hour 100s, they're power hiking some of those steeps. Uh, but I would start off low on mileage and just kind of slowly work yourself up. And then a big thing for me is to uh, find a way to keep yourself accountable. And mine is uh, if I post something on social media, um, if I do something to bring attention to it, odds are barring an injury, um, it's going to happen. Like the two ways to get my attention on anything is make it affect my wallet or make it affect my ego. So, I mean, it's going to take a lot for me to just quit something midway through if I've, you know, made a big deal about it on like Facebook or whatever, or told all my buddies at work. Yeah. There's a, there's external, there's, self-imposed peer pressure by publicly stating your goals that yes. that you're like, well, I literally have no choice now. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so good stuff there. All right, Nicole, give me a quick kind of some of your, some of your background and uh, run down. Yeah. I, um, I kind of fell into obstacle course racing by accident. I had a friend whose husband's friend dropped out of a tough mutter and she's like, he needs a partner next weekend. And, okay and just had a really good time with it and um i kind of found i was like being able to go across the monkey bars was a big deal and uh i've always been 
kind of stronger than a lot of women. I've, I've, I was just raised in the woods and playing in the trees and was always like doing a ton of manual labor as a kid. And so I've always been strong. So it was fun to go out and kind of have like a test of my strength at these obstacle course races. And, um, and I've always loved running, um, never really got into longer distances until like 2013. Um, to me, you can either go faster or go longer. <laughs> and so I have more fun going longer and, uh, had joined like a running club at fleet feet. Um, and runners are a freaking bunch of enablers. You know, you, you get in with a group of runners. And to me, that's like, if someone's new to running, join a local running group because you'll find you're not the only one that's struggling. You'll find you're not the only one that's like having a bad day or whatever. And it just keeps it fun. Um, and so next thing, you know, you're doing this and then you hear your friend is doing this and this other runner, Oh, had you heard about this race? And next thing you know, you're doing a hundred miler. Thanks Gary and Jeff, you know? And, and so it's just, it's, it's just funny how you don't plan for it, but it just kind of happens. And, um, to me, to keep going for the long haul, it's, it's keeping it fun. And when I'm doing these races with friends and hearing about other races that are fun, um, it just, that's what keeps me motivated and keeps me going and loving it um, is that I'm having a good time doing it. Right on. Good, good answer. Now, mm-hmm. obviously with the coronavirus, most of the races have been canceled through early June and then you know, after June, we're hoping things kind of get somewhat or we get back to a new normal or maybe back to normal, kind of see what happens. But let's assume kind of mid-June forward, moving forward, things are quote unquote normal. You know, um, Nicole, what do you have planned for uh, 2020? So our next event, we're doing the Mohican 100 miler. It's a Western States qualifier. That's June 20th, 21st. Um, we didn't get into Western States with the lottery, neither of us did. So each year we're trying to do another western states qualifier um and in july we have a a spartan ultra is that right babe um i've never done a spartan so i'm kind of curious how how that's gonna go um i got myself signed up for dirty cons a 200 miler which is a gravel uh cycling event which um i used to do a lot more mountain biking when i lived in vermont so that's going to be a challenge for me because i haven't done that in a while and um our Scotland trip got canceled. Our big ultra did for the end of May. So that was going to be a highlight of this year. And that didn't happen. Um, yeah, we usually have kind of a big race. Coming back to World Stuffest in Dallas? No. No. No, no it was. Um, what about Killington? Spartan uh, 24-hour ultra beast. No? So the, the one in July, we're going to kind of check that one out and see how that goes. Um, I think that was, was like 30 something miles. Is that right? With, um, and then, it, you know, we'll see how that one goes and then maybe sign up um, at the end of the year, depending on how that one goes. Um, I'm, you know, I like OCR events and such, but things like Conquer the Gauntlet, that was the hardest OCR <laughs> I've ever done. I, I don't do well with like, um, I mean, I just, I need to put more time in and I just don't with things like the pegboard or Stairway to Heaven. You know, I, I can kind of muscle my way through 
certain things, but that's like skills. And I just need to work more on that. And, um, just, it's hard being a massage therapist when I use my arms and hands a lot. And then at the end of the day, go try and train that stuff even more. It's kind of like a runner trying that's already put a lot of miles in during the day, go to try and put some quality miles in at the end of the day when they're already tired, you know? So I kind of struggle with that. That's why, um, some of the harder OCR stuff, I'm I'm still kind of up in the air about. I have a fun time with it, but I'm not sure how super seriously I want to take it. So, okay, remains to be seen. <laughs> That's good. You answered my next question, but a uh, different question. When you did conquer the gong, did you run continuum or did you run the elite wave? I did the elite wave. Um, I had just come off of a big event. I'm, I can't even remember what it was now. So I hadn't, I didn't do the continuum because um, maybe I'd just come off of a hundred miler. It feels like it was at the end of a block of a bunch of big races. So Gary did the, the continuum and I had just done the elite wave. So. Gotcha. Which one did you end up doing? Which location was that? <sighs> or was it babe? I don't remember. Uh, Iowa. Iowa. Okay. okay. Gotcha. Yeah, that was the weekend of toughest Chicago last year. So. Yep. I was not there. I was in Chicago. <laughs> yep, because I had actually had good I mean, uh, good hopes on that one for Continuum and ended up getting pretty much taken out by Smooth Criminal. It had rained a little bit, and I took a slip, and I thought I had actually broke my leg. Oh, geez. And actually ended up, like, I kind of bowed. Like, I just stepped off the course, and I went and found uh, – Oh, uh, one of the directors and talked to him and I was, gave him my bib number and let him know what was up. Told him I thought I was okay, but I just wasn't going to push it. And then had a beer, sat and sulked for a little bit and kind of tried to walk it off and ended up, I was able to re-enter the course where I exited and ended up finishing the one lap. So I got one lap, but yeah. The extra money for Continuum, you know, that was just a donation at that point. <laughs> but I'm you surprised how, how well you can do it, like OCR events, if you're a decent runner, though, you know, yes, you have oh, to have yeah. upper body strength and do well. But I mean, I was surprised even not being able to complete a couple obstacles and, you know, of course, get my belt removed because of that. But like still where I came in after trying several times, still where I came in and finished, I was like, how, how can I be this far up in the front? I'm, this stuff is really hard. <laughs> but I think if you just a decent runner um, and yep. you know, have some decent strength, you'll, you'll do pretty well at those events. That is 100% true. I mean, most of the races you're running. So, um, and then the obstacles, again, depending on the series you're at, sometimes the obstacles like are just not difficult, right? Like if you're a generally, yeah, I mean, generally like, fit person, you can just wing yes. it. Yep. Like right. in Australia, you know, I mean, that's a 24 hour one. So it's like doing world's toughest mutter. Um, but if, I mean, just to keep being able to keep running and fueling and running and fueling. And I mean, yes, you're climbing ropes and going over walls and, I mean, during the middle of the night when things were slippery and muddy, you know, burpee penalties for not doing it, but, you know, still being able to get like a lot of laps in by just being able to continue and go, um, you know, I was still, I was surprised, you know, the things were challenging, but they weren't impossible, you know, and that's, and that was just, it's like a big playground for adults. It was really fun, actually. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. 
and I, ever since I got involved in obstacle course racing back in, let's say, I, start, I really started getting involved at the end of 2014. I've just been waiting for like a surge of serious runners to come in and just like completely blow the doors off everything. And uh-huh. it, just, it just hasn't happened. Um, I think part of the problem, at least for me, is like the obstacles I find most of the time I find very easy. So when someone, so like if someone's having trouble with it, uh, and they're an athlete, right? Like they're, they're a runner. Like I have trouble understanding that they're even, they should have, they're like, they're even having trouble, right? It's just like, mm-hmm. what, do you mean, what do you mean you can't do the eight foot wall? Like, I don't understand. I don't understand what, like, why you can't do that. It's just like, mm-hmm. not a thing. But, you, you know, if you never you train. penalty and you go on, you know? Yeah. But if you never train upper body, then, you know, some of those runners are just. Um, this is true. And then I think there's also just, you know, you know, that you hear about mud and electricity on some of the courses and, you know, extreme conditions. And I think it, it's just a different environment, right? Like, you know, if you're, if you're running a road marathon and you get like a rock in your shoe, people are like, oh, I stopped and take out the rock. Like if I get, if I'm running an OCR and there's a rock in my shoe, I, I just keep running, right? Like yeah. there's always rocks in my shoe. <laughs> what do you mean? What yeah. do you mean? You know, or like mud. Like, yeah, there's always mud in my shoe. It's just the Mud's way it is. the fun part. Yeah. So I think a lot of that is I think there are some runners out there that would do extremely well in OCR. Um, but I think a lot of those runners are kind of uh, just running purists. Like I heard yeah. you uh, listening to one of your podcasts uh, the other day with uh, uh, Spartan Pro Emmy. Oh, yeah. Like you were talking about how you have like Spartan purists that like only do Spartan races and like tough mutter purists that like kind of only do those races. I think the same thing goes with uh, just regular running. Like you have people that will only do uh, just standard running. Like they won't do color runs. They won't do anything that they kind of would deem has what I refer like a gimmick. Yeah. And I think the sad thing about that is if they would just kind of get over that, I think a lot of those people could, do amazing things in I completely agree but I'm okay with them staying away because then I, I do better so <laughs> I'm not going you know, to beg them to come over but their their loss their loss I'll I'll keep I'll keep doing well for myself um yeah I agree I agree with that I've had the same conversation with uh, uh Jared Newby from New Sanity I don't think we we didn't have it recorded but it was during the first OCR America I did back in 2016 and he comes from a track background, so he had and track and cross country background, and also motocross. But so he had some interesting perspectives on it, and just um, yeah, like you said, they're just like, well, I just you know, I'm a runner, that's what I do. I don't do this this other thing, right? Like, and on the flip side, right, I'm the I've gone, to, I've swung to the opposite direction right now. Like, I consider myself an obstacle course racer, and I don't, I won't race. I'll do an ultra, but I won't race an ultra, right? So like, I'll. I'll use it as a training run and, mm-hmm. and run a 50k on a weekend, but I probably didn't have, taper. Have you only and I, done like one actual, just like regular marathon? Have I done one regular marathon? Yeah, haven't you only done one regular no, I, marathon? I've done like 18 or so marathons. Oh, really? I've okay. only done one. I've done 100 miler. Um, okay, that's what it was. Yeah. Where was that? I did Brazos Bend in uh, oh, kind of yeah. near Houston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we. Ha- helped a friend down there at that one yeah that's a good one you run by a bunch of alligators yeah if that's your thing you. yeah I, re- I wrestled one it was actually a plastic alligator but whatever okay, that's better yeah. 
I mean, they're close to the trail. Like, they, like if you if you fell off the trail and then like rolled a couple feet, like you would bump into them. Oh but yeah, you guys just disappointed. I never got to see one. <sighs> you didn't get. I mean, if you would have gone on the, did you go on the trail? I mean, they're they're literally everywhere. Yeah, like I I did. Uh, when did we were one, there, it was like one and a half of rain, week. so I think that's what it was. Oh. I mean, I can't even count the number I saw, like 30 per lap. I don't know, something like that. You know, it's it some insane number, right? Like they're everywhere. So wow. it, it got to the point where you're just like, yes, there's alligators. I, I'm aware of that. Like, I don't care. It's like, like I right just, here in Copperheads. <laughs> Nicole, did you run the, what was it? Uh, I, Gary, you were manning a pit, an aid station for a hundred miler that I was pacing Billy Richards for uh, last year. Nicole, were you running that or were you at the aid station also? What was this at uh, Prairie Spirit or which? Yeah, uh, in Kansas. Well, it was the fall. It was the oh, fall. The Kansas Rails to Trails. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We were both there at the depot, the training depot. Oh, okay. Whenever uh, you guys came back through, though, uh, she had left. Okay. Because I can't remember I what race, we had. I had a race the next weekend. I had a race the next weekend. Yeah. So I, I stayed at the aid station like the full time that the aid station was open, but I think she left like right around sunset. Okay. And so I remember, yeah. Cause I remember meeting you before coming out to help me. I remember meeting you before the race started. And then I, I, I let Billy Richards start running. I did a Casey field the burn challenge, a two mile OCR. And then came back at e the evening, ran 20 oh, miles right. to the, to the aid that's station. Nice. And took a nap, uh, met up with Gary, and then I paced Billy Richards back in for the last 20 miles. So That's awesome. Sorry to miss that. I ended up yeah. getting called out in the middle of the night to rescue another runner, but no, I was not there. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> All right. Yeah, We're gonna... right before uh, your um, Ozark Trail. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was my, uh... yep, that's what it was. I don't do well with like miss sleep every weekend. So I tried to get out of there by midnight. I remember, I remember that, but gotcha. it all worked out in the end anyway. <laughs> Gary, what do you have planned for the rest of 2020? Assuming things go back to normal. Uh, so I uh, got Mohican 100, uh, got a couple of, I'm not sure if it'll actually happen this year. Once a year, I kind of do it an underground kind of I RD a uh, beer half marathon. Not sure if that'll happen this year or not. Um, I would like it to, but so that's still kind of up in the air, but have a couple of beer miles, um, pacing a friend at honey badger 100 in July. And then we, the weekend after that, we've got the Spartan ultra, uh, pay, or helping Nicole out at Dirty Kansas 200. And so you had talked about um, the Spartan Ultra World Championship, which I originally had high hopes of, and things just kind of went south on it. I had put off, I had really wanted to do it, and I had really hoped that it was going to still be in uh, Sweden, there in Ari, uh, and by the time they finally announced it, because uh, I think it's September 16th, or no, September 19th now, and it's back in the States, which monetarily is awesome, but kind of lure 
is man, not as much. Yeah. Um, and plus, already signed up for uh, Highlander Assault, the King Arthur Challenge there in uh, Woodstock, Illinois. Ah, right um, on. I should be there. Yeah, cool. We're both doing that. That'll be the weekend after my Dirty Kanza, so that'll be <laughs> <Sorry>. interesting. <laughs> Man. All right. So, uh, but on my bucket the, list for a while. It, it looks great, and I've met the uh, RD for it there uh, at uh, Battlegrounds, whenever Battlegrounds was still going on. Yeah. Um, him there, and uh, talked to him again there whenever we did – abominable snow race and i'll just give a free plug to those guys abominable snow race if you haven't done it is just friggin amazing so um, fun it got in the snow guaranteed but so fun and it was just awesome uh bill wolf the rd's a great guy and puts on a fun event uh but got kansas rails trails uh what you were talking about with uh that you paced billy on uh i'll be volunteering there again like i always try and volunteer at that race and some other races i try and do three or four shifts a year kind of uh volunteering just trying to give back a little bit because i do i use the hell out of the volunteers and the eight stations at races so if i that's just the big races we we do a lot of volunteering at little small local ones so it's just just fun to still be out there, but not actually be racing. <laughs> and uh, haven't haven't signed up yet, but hoping to probably do a double at Pumpkin Holler, where I did my uh, first sub twenty four one hundred last year. They have a it's kind of a full weekend, but do instead of doing the hundred this year, do the fifty k on Saturday and then do a 70-mile gravel ride the next day, um, which would be my first bike race. Um, but really, other than that, uh, it's uh, Dinosaur Valley Endurance Run. As long as that still happens in November, I'm actually uh, going there to uh, pace a fellow Strength and Speed member. I'm going to go up there and help Ian Pereira. Oh, nice. Um, and uh nicole's going there to help uh one of our friends uh pace her for her first hundred and then gonna end the year out with uh four for 30 which is a last man standing event that's actually a uh golden ticket event for big's backyard ultra with all a lot of people are starting to kind of get in on that. Even people that don't run, there are people that I work with that have absolutely no aspirations of ever running that follow Big's Backyard Ultra or any event like that. They just like to see other people suffer for hours. <laughs> so nice. we're actually, I've raced that the past two years and come in third well technically you know it's a last man standing event so if you don't win it you dnf All right but you said I mean, yeah but still you, you, third the last two years and so this year nicole and i are just going to kind of help the rds we're going to kind of do a social media takeover for them for four for 30 i think nicole's going to kind of uh, do some write-ups for their Facebook, and then I'm going to do some 
lives. And uh, we've got some cool little things planned that we uh, won't talk about yet, but it should be a very interesting event. Um, look, looking forward to that. And I'm really hoping, and I've talked to you about this before, um, what I would really like to see kind of in the future of OCR is some kind of last man standing event like that similar format, like maybe a 5k course. So 3.1 miles, say with 15 obstacles, but then do that last man standing format. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. I would, I would love to see that because right now I don't know, like Atkins and I mean, Atkins is just up there. They, like so much, it's kind of like some of the old NASCAR racers. That just like I remember it at a time whenever Jimmy Johnson was just, even if you were a fan of Jimmy Johnson, he was just winning so much you almost wanted to root against him just to see somebody else win. And Atkins is a stand-up guy. Anytime I've ever met him, he's just been amazing. But I wonder if a change in format would kind of level the playing field or hell i mean it may make it even easier for him to win (laughs) yeah that might be the case i mean he's i mean he's undefeated in in ultra ocr for his entire career which stems back to world's toughest motor 2013 and it's not like it's not like oh well he's avoiding the big races or he's only like he's he was going to all the big races all the time so i mean he didn't go to every single one but i mean he went to the majority of them. So yeah. Insane. All right. You also, I think that last man standing format would be interesting for OCR, but also I think a beer mile version OCR would be interesting. I want to say they did a unofficial one in 2015 at OCR world championships, kind of when the, um, you know, kind of in between events at, towards the end of the weekend. But I don't think, I think that's the only one I've ever heard of. And uh, oh, it doesn't, awesome. doesn't seem to have catched caught on. So what <laughs> obstacles did they do? Or was it kind of like a fit, like a fitness or workout station, like burpees or something like that and pull-ups? I want to say, so I wasn't there at that year, but I want to say they just took the, like the OCR, they were filming OCR warrior there, which is essentially is their short course. So, I mean, I think it's probably like a K, I don't know. And I think they did a couple of beer stations in the course we'd have to grab brett stewart or someone or someone that was there to get the details but i think i remember ocr warrior you were on ocr warrior once right i was back in 2000 against another against another evan that's right evan dollard the winner of american gladiators and he's also been on ninja warrior a couple times and he beat me pretty thoroughly that was like my fifth race so I was pretty happy. I just didn't embarrass myself, to be honest with you. You had problems on the rig, didn't you? I did. Yeah, they had a they had a skull on there, and I I made it, you had to go essentially out and back on the course, and I made it out fine. And on the way back, I I basically got stuck there. And was that yeah. like a kind of like Skull Valley? So yeah, it was it was like the beginning of Skull Valley, and then it was like like a normal rig for like four, three or four holds, and then it was the end of like more Skull Valley, and the the middle holds were basically like. Um, they were balls, and then the uh, middle hold was a skull, like a big – so it was like a big ball, basically. So Okay. So, yeah, I actually – from that, I bought one, and I've trained on it, and I've never had to use that 
specific hold ever again. So um, <laughs> of course, <laughs> that's the way things happen. But I'm better. Ath- I'm a better athlete because of it. So, um, and I think you know when you fail, those things stick with you pretty good, and you're like, well, I don't want to do that again. So you train harder and work better to make sure that doesn't happen. So and you, you learn a lot more from from that than you do from winning. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. All right, yeah, you mentioned a couple of quick things that I wanted to touch on. One, Abominable Snow Race. They were one of the races that ended up getting canceled right at the start of the quarantine. So they had actually built the course and essentially invested all the money and essentially no one showed up, right, because every, we weren't, they weren't allowed to hold the race. So I know they, they still have their merchandise shop online is open. So I encourage you to do some shopping there to kind of give back to them because they, they took a significant – monetary hit and i hope they're still around in 2021 and then earlier in the podcast you mentioned something about virtual runs and not being a huge fan of them personally i'm not a huge fan of virtual runs either but i do think it's important for to support the race companies that are holding virtual runs because that's supplementing their income right like if if there's a company that's just doing virtual runs i think that's different than a company that normally does real events and now can't do real events. So they're trying to uh, stay afloat with virtual runs. So, you know, there's a lot of options out there for what virtual runs you want to do. I'm encouraging, you know, people to do the ones that there are normal real events that just can't currently hold their events. Uh, That way you're supporting those companies. Cause I think if you, otherwise you're sending the signal that you want more virtual runs when there's real races going on. So just my two cents on the topic. Uh, yeah. I agree with all of that. <laughs> yeah. Cause otherwise, I mean, yeah, otherwise you're there, you know, just like everything, people are going to try to position themselves in an advantage, advantageous position for themselves. And the coronavirus outbreak is no different, right? Like uh, a lot yeah, of people's been all kinds of marketing. Like yeah. there are so many races that have popped up that are simply for profit races it never existed before this. And that's, and you know what? I don't have a problem even with those. Like they don't appeal to me, but right, yeah. it, that if it gets somebody off the couch, because there's probably, I'm sure there are people out there that are like, that maybe, you know, kind of like anything else, like stage fright. Maybe they don't want to run around a bunch of other people or maybe they they're worried about you know right now like there was a lot of us like wanting to riot because we want our racing back and there are some people that it even though they want to race they're not going to be back for a while because of everything surrounding this coronavirus the potential there for infection there are a lot of people that are going to be worried about that that may not come back for a while so i think it's a good outlet for them yeah but definitely i I would say if if you're going to do one i would say you know if you've done races in the past look for those races like if you know race directors like i said the thing with bill wolf like asr like how they were literally they were set up worst they the worst possible scenario imaginable Yes, I mean they canceled twenty four hours before the race, uh, by the like by basically directed to. So yeah, like that, like so those like they obviously took a huge hit, and there are other race directors that took hits like that too. Like obviously, like I said, with the obstacle course racing, like ASR, there's a lot more that goes into that than you know just a regular road race. I think. 
Yes, there is. It's a lot more monetarily intensive, and they, I feel like the obstacle course racing does a lot more marketing. This puts a lot more money into marketing than traditional trail and road races. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, like, like you said, if that's what you need to stay motivated, then by all means, just go nuts. Oh, yeah. You know, like there's a lot of people who post every single workout they do online and n- not my cup of tea, but if that's what you do to keep yourself motivated, then I think, I think it's great. Um, I, well, I don't do a whole lot of workouts. I'm definitely more of a runner then, you know, like I do OCR and stuff, but I'm definitely it. You can tell in my performance that I come from a running background and I'm a better runner than just obstacle specialist. But I do, I post pretty much all of, all of my runs get posted. Um, and I usually do some kind of little silly fact, some random piece of information just to kind of, you know, so it makes my post a little less annoying. You do have some fun facts, and uh, so I, I highly recommend if anyone wants to see what Gary's up to and learn random things about everything from parking meters to sloths to whatever you want, uh, you can follow Gary Shaw on Facebook. And speaking of fun facts, let's start wrapping it up. So we have two guests on the podcast, so tell me one thing people would be surprised to know about you, whoever wants to go first. Let's go with Nicole first since we haven't heard from you. Wow, that's that's a, that's a toughie. I'm a pretty open book, so I don't know <laughs> that anything I'm going to say is going to be a surprise. But I think being like a massage therapist, and everyone knows I just love my yoga, and I'm a pretty happy-go-lucky, chill person. So I think it probably surprised a lot of people that I'm a metalhead. I like you take me to a concert, my head's whipping all over the place. I'm head banging. I just I love that so much, and. And even on my like music playlist on some of my longer runs, I've, I've definitely got, got my metal music going. And some people know that about me, but probably not very many. All right. That's a good one. Gary, what do you got? Uh, so it's kind of, I am what I like to refer to as just, I am a grown ass little child. I love cartoons. Um, I try and act intellectual and sophisticated um, in my smoking robe and jacket and all of that with my fancy scotch or beer and act like an adult. But deep down, all I want to do is just watch cartoons. Eat cereal and watch cartoons. (laughs) I just want to eat cereal. sugary cereal and then watch cartoons all right that's a good one so i'll do i'm going to touch on a couple because you gave me a couple ideas one you mentioned yoga instructor i've done hot yoga once and it was like the i thought it was like the worst experience in the world i was just sweating like and i couldn't like i was just dying from the heat and because i'm an athlete like i want things to hurt so just because uh-huh. you know they're like do this stretch and i'm like well it doesn't hurt i better push harder so I'm like, I'm basically doing like isometric, you know, movements yeah. in there. And yeah, yeah, I'm, you don't, you can't force it. <laughs> I was forcing it and I was dying. Like when they were finally like, all right, now lay on the back. I was like, oh, thank goodness. I'm literally about <laughs> to black out. Um, it's a terrible experience. I don't, I don't recommend that, but. I, they say you do it three times before you judge. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> um, and then what was, oh, uh, metal. So I, for music growing in high school, I listened to like Korn and Rammstein and Soulfly and yes. um, all that stuff. And I used, yeah. we used to go to concerts in New York City all the time because it's right down the road. And nice. 
used to go to like you know our opinion was that, like if you're not going to be going the pit like why are you even going to the concert right like <laughs> so i mean i i love i used to love going to concerts uh rise against and bad religion and all that stuff nice and, um, nice which is kind of funny because some of my favorite bands i'm like i'm on the complete opposite side of the spectrum on a lot of their like views uh like but yeah interesting and then you mentioned gary being a kid I agree with that. Like, I feel very similar, right? Like my, my day job in the army, right. was like running around with guns and stuff. And I feel like I've never grown out of a lot of that. So if anyone reads my biography, ultra OCR man, there's a lot of random stuff in there about, you know, you know, just feeling like a kid at like, you know, even in Iraq, you know, playing, playing soldier and, you know, I, the obstacle course racing, I feel like it's an extension of that where it's like, like we said earlier, it's like a big adult playground and, um, you know, running around, having fun, splashing in the mud. So. Yep. Happiness is fruity pebbles and teen Titans go, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still enjoy some good cartoons every now and then. So, all right, let's start wrapping it up. Gary, final shout out. You want to give friends, family, sponsors, et cetera. I definitely want a big shout out to uh, United Poly systems. They've been a big sponsor for me over the, past few years um they're actually my employer um real quick like what i do for a normal job is i'm the environmental uh health and safety coordinator for a plastic pipe manufacturer called uh, united poly systems here in springfield missouri and they've sponsored me the past few years and they're awesome to work with as far as like if i need time off for racing they've been awesome with working around that with my schedule uh but also you know friends and family for supporting me through all of this uh nicole um has been awesome like she's kind of doubles as like a life coach nutritionist uh massage therapist all all that kind of stuff but squirrels nut butter uh honey stinger Orange Mud, Springfield Brewing Company. Um, I know I feel like I'm leaving somebody out. Some uh, uh, Pro Compression, Sophie, or Sophie, however you pronounce it. Um, not sponsored or an ambassador for them. They just make really awesome Ranger panties. I was about uh, to say, I was like, did you just plug the Ranger panty company? <laughs> I, I, I totally plug the running towards. Oh yeah, like uh, outside of my kilt, man, I have decided that ranger panties. I don't know how I've lived without those. It's, they're essential. I mean, they I I've wore them extensively for several years, and it was like the go-to shorts for military whatever. It's whatever you're doing, you wear ranger panties. Yeah, whenever I switch to them, though, like with the squirrel stuff, butter and stuff, you find out like, okay you rub in different areas in regular shorts than you do in ranger panties. True. So you have to, yeah, you have to apply a little bit more S and B. Um, my, my wife won't let me wear them in public anymore. So I'm officially banned. <laughs> so we, we used to, we used to do on um, Valentine's day, me and one of my friends back in, let's see what year was that early mid 2000. So like 2000, let's say seven to 10. Uh, me and one of my friends used to dress up as Cupid and we'd wear Ranger panties and like a three quarter length shirt that was way too tight. Like we purposely bought them too tight <laughs> and we had uh, like angel wings. In fact, if you look through my Facebook 
profile pictures you can find an old picture of of us and we would get, in the morning we go to nashville and do a 5k race um dressed as cupids and we would i mean we'd run hard right like i think i came in third one year and like second one year and then like fifth one year right like so you you want to piss people off running in costume and like legitimately like beating them <laughs> that always made people mad um so we do that in the morning and then we'd go out into Nashville and the bars and go drinking in the, in the evening. And people thought it was a riot and my wife would go with us. Oh, she was my girlfriend at the time and she would take pictures, but yeah, we'd wear Ranger panties and I'd, I'd worn my Ranger panties so much by that point that like they were definitely thinner than they should be. <laughs> and my wife is like, you can't wear these in public. Like I can see, I can see through these, like I can make out details. And I was like, all right, fine. It's a good so. thing you brought your girlfriend along because I'm pretty sure you would get hit on like hardcore. Uh, I mean, uh, people people would grab our our butts and they would. Uh, I mean, we we would take pictures of people all night and they they just thought it was a riot. So my, I mean, my girlfriend thought it was amusing too. Um, That's awesome. That's awesome. But yeah. All right, Nicole, what do you got for? Uh, um, pretty pretty much, you know, just all the people that Gary said and just an extra shout out to Fleet Feet. They're the ones that they were kind of my go-to place when I just first moved to Springfield and got me into running again just because of the club and then who the people I met. And just from there, um, I just want people to know that you're just so capable, like way more than you think you are. And being in a group of people um, that encourage you. And even when you have bad days, you know, you just, you're still having fun. You're still going on. I think that's really important. Um, and Fleet Feet was that start for me and then just built the running community around that. Um, Orange Mud, I know Gary said that, but that has been another family um, that has been super supportive of us. And, um, and Gary, of course, for pushing me way beyond what I ever thought was capable. You know, I don't think I can do stuff. And he's like, Oh, I think you should try that. And, and it, it usually works out surprisingly and just grateful for him in so many ways more than I, I can ever say. And, um, just lucky to be surrounded by so many friends and family and my clients, even through all of this, not working for five, six weeks, they've been amazingly supportive and, um, just feel really lucky in so many ways. Gotcha. Well, I hope everyone is taking their quarantine time and doing something productive with it, like you guys, as far as, you know, this running challenge, run the date, uh, do dumb shit challenge, whatever we want to call it. And <laughs> I know personally, I've gotten some good running. I've also been doing a lot of reading. And I know with the coronavirus running around, people, people seem to be doing some, most of them just do internet research, which is not as good. I highly, this, I think you're better off looking at some books about like other infectious diseases. Uh, which I've kind of read through some of them in the past. You can download no, a bunch that, of them. On that's really scary. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, really? So th there's weird, like, with the, with the outbreak, people... scary when you can see how much they can mutate and stuff. No, thank yeah. you. <laughs> I feel like people, some people are like, oh, there's a virus outbreak. I want to know about everything. And other people are like, this is, like, I don't want to know anything. But, um, yeah. you know, I, we've worked, I've done some work with... Uh, chemical, biological, radiological, uh, nuclear units in the past. And so that kind of led me down a rabbit hole um, a couple years ago where like I started researching all these diseases and um, also from this, like I had an interest in zombies. So I was like, oh, what's like the, like the realism side of the, like the zombie thing. Obviously it's not <laughs> real, right? But like 
Well, it, maybe. They based. Do you remember the CDC at, the, at one time did a actual, it was kind of like a campaign that was zombie ready as disaster ready. Yep. And they did. They did. Really, so they really good. Got a lot of people kind of invested in actually thinking about that type of thing. Yeah, it was great marketing. So they, they used zombies, uh, fictitious plague as a way to market disaster preparedness. So they produced a comic book. I think you can still download it online. I have a printed out copy in the next room. It's uh, oh, really good. Yeah. Uh, for audio book. Anyway, if anyone's interested in virus related audiobooks there's you can go to audible there's like Ebola. there's one called ebola there's one called rabid about the history of rabies which actually i thought was super interesting because they a lot of like the vampire and werewolf legends come from rabies backstories mm. interesting right like mm-hmm. the foaming at the mouth the yeah, like yeah, loss yeah. of control the biting people right those are all like things associated with werewolves and vampires but they're actually like realistically in, in rabies mm. um mm. also the uh, if you've ever seen rabies untreated, what it actually looks like when it's like full blown, it's like horrific, right? Like people get hydrophobia where they, they refuse, they're scared to drink water and a lot of them like die of dehydration. You can Google it. You can YouTube it if you really want curious. And Yeah. Um, if I want to have nightmares, I'll be right have nightmares, Yeah. <laughs> or basically any, any book by Richard Preston, uh, he's got one called demon in the freezer talks oh about God. the development of smallpox. And then my favorite virus related book, that's nonfiction. It's a book called Biohazard by Dr. Ken Elebeck, who is actually a Soviet Union defector who came over from the Soviet Union, came to the United States in, I think, like 1990 and wrote this book about the Soviets' bioweapons program. And it is really, wow. really good. Wow. So I highly recommend that if anyone's interested in actually hearing some factual history about viruses instead of whatever mm-hmm. conspiracy theory Facebook is currently floating around. So mm-hmm. um, that one's not on audiobook, but I that would be the number one on the list. But yeah. And then other than that, more reading. I highly recommend heading over to my website and picking up some of my books up there because they're good because I wrote them. Yes, they are. So. <laughs> All right. We're going to take off. Thanks again for joining us for this long episode. What do you got? Can I, can I just one more thing since you're talking about reading? I was going to do a one last quick plug because I'm shameless like that, but it's something for Nicole too. And you actually might be a, uh, you do enough ultra type stuff that you might, I don't know if you have a subscription, but uh, this latest issue of ultra running magazine that just came out, Nicole actually has an article about her uh, outlaw 135 win. I don't know why. February that it just uh, came out. Uh, we actually got it in the mail, I think, yesterday. So if you want to check that out, some more light reading. A little bit lighter than zombies and rabies, <laughs> if that's not your thing. The rabies book is good, yeah. There is throw up and talk of poop, though, so I don't know. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. Good stuff. But thank you, Evan. Thanks for having us. I really appreciate it. No yeah, problem. thanks a lot, Evan. It's been fun. And then other than that, Mudrun Guide, I just – like sent in like 12 articles. So there's lots of good content coming on that. I'm not going to cite them all. So, but they're, you know, just cause there are no races going on, there's still reviews and other things to write. And, you know, there's a bunch of documentaries that are coming out or are currently out related to OCR. So be on the lookout for modern guide. All right. We'll catch all of you later. Thanks again. Thanks Evan. Thanks Evan.